Hi, I'm Melody Hilton. And I'm Joel Hilton. And I'm Katie Stansfield. I was not ready. You just saw my head bob up. Oh, we're we're live. All right. Well, welcome to another episode of Life Exchange. We are on episode 60. Um, so happy birthday to us. But we will keep it going here. Um, I love our first question because... So is 65 when we retire? That's <laughs> when we start getting... Um, discounts. Like, uh, discounts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, Send we're not going to your... retire. Some One of us here does not believe in retirement. No, I don't believe in retirement. <laughs> so, um, How do you retire from the call of God? Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> we also won't discount it because you're already getting it for free. So <laughs> that means you should start paying us and then that it'll even out. No, just kidding. We can right. start having ads. Hey, it might happen one day. Maybe. <laughs> um, all right, well... I love our first question because of the dynamics, but the first question is most times I'm too busy to attend church. Why is it important to gather together in person? And I love this because you're asking three pastors. So I think we're slightly biased in one direction here, but uh, I could get passionate about this. So I'm going to let one of you guys start so I don't lead out too hot here. Let's go with... uh the elder oh. statement. <laughs> okay. Just say, you start, mom. Okay. <laughs> you, you didn't like you don't that? You call me elder. <laughs> um, what has got our attention has got our direction. And when we gather together, it draws our attention to the Lord, whether it's in worship, whether it's in uh, ministry, whether it's in the teaching of the word, whatever. We're in a, in a culture, in an environment that the intention is drawn uh, to, to our God and to develop us. And so if that has our attention, it will shape our life decisions. Mm -hmm. And if we separate ourselves, uh, whatever we're putting our time and intention into, whether it's the TV or, you know, vacationing or vacationing usually is temporal. It's not a every week thing, but uh, whatever we're doing in that time will have our attention. And so in the long haul, what is going to empower you the most? What is going to equip you the most? What is going to help heal you the most? Uh, what is going to cause you to be a part of community the most? It's definitely not by staying home and isolating. And, and I know for me personally, uh, there was about a year and a half that I was my mom's uh, primary caregiver. And uh, and when you're a pastor of a church and you can't even go to church, mm -hmm. and, and that, was, that was just the way it was. I had, I don't want to say I had no other choice. I made a choice to honor my mom and that was mm -hmm. a good thing. But oh my goodness, I had to be very, very, very vigilant uh, and even when I watched it online, oh well, I watch I watched it online. Mm -hmm. It is not like being there at mm -hmm. all. Uh, forgive me if that's your go-to, but it's it's worship is never the same uh, watching it online as it is in person. And being a part of family and seeing that person preach in front of you, or being the person that preaches, mm -hmm. you know, it's just um, so. I mean it. It was, I didn't, till I was no longer needed to be the primary caregiver and I could begin to go back to church, I didn't realize how much in that year and a half that I was so spiritually drained. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't by my choice. It was, well, it was by my choice, but it wasn't 
I, it's not that I didn't want to come to church, but life presented that to me. And as much as I pursued God, read the word, prayed and did all those spiritual things, uh, I really realized how drained I was spiritually. And that's that's you speaking. That's a pastor of a church speaking that you noticed that difference when you weren't able to attend in person. Yeah. So that's going to apply for every my person, faith even you. Level. Yeah. Um, I, I was more sensitive to um, pressure and stress mm-hmm. and, and in making decisions was more difficult. Uh, and it, it, it affected me much more than I realized. Mm-hmm. And so if a person isn't already at the place of the level of commitment maybe that I was at mm-hmm. uh, and the desire to be there but can't be there, it's going to affect their life. It's, I've never seen people not come to church where it didn't negatively affect their life because mm. something else has their attention. Yeah. And that's not just you speaking as someone who wants people to come to church because you have a church. You're right. speaking from personal experience. Right. Yeah. And, and church can look different from person to person. Mm-hmm. Uh, church has different expressions. I want to answer this question and probably believe the most spiritual way that you can. Why should I attend church? Because you're actually commanded to. Yeah, it's true. Not by religion, by God. By scripture. Yeah. It, it, it's in Hebrews 10, 24 through 25. And let us consider one one another in order to stir up love and good works. So they're actually telling you why you need to attend church in that statement to stir one another up in love and good works. Mm -hmm. Verse 25, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as in the manner of sons. So this is not a new thing. This is back from the, the beginning. And then it gives us another reason why, but exhorting one another encouraging one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Mm -hmm. So bottom line, why? Is because we're commanded to. Mm -hmm. And every commandment is with our good in mind. And actually I pulled, of course, we probably all have that scripture uh, down, but I looked it up in the Passion Translation. Listen to this. It says, this is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together. So that's a conscious choice that I'm making, okay? Then it says, as some have formed the habit of doing. Mm -hmm. And one thing that I've seen through the years is when someone starts missing, they start developing a habit of not going, that if they come, it's on a rare occasion. And um, so what happens? In fact, we should come together even more frequently eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. So there's something that challenges us. And in an egocentric world, we don't want people uh, challenging us to grow and advance and mature. And I don't want anybody in my business. I remember uh, Stephen was preaching one time and somebody came up and it says, you were standing outside of our bedroom window. (laughs) And of course he wasn't, but... It challenged. What it they were challenges you when you hear the truth, because through the week I learned to do those things that benefit me the most mm-hmm. and apply to my ways of thinking, and then to have that thinking challenged um, 
Uh, we often don't want that. And when we, when we get in the habit of not going there, then it's a little bit more challenging to return. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. I like to say that God's, God's commands are an invitation for an encounter. Yeah, there you go. And so, like I said earlier, we're commanded to, but it is for the, but it is for your good and for you to have an encounter. I think many people incorrectly assume that God's temple is solely in the individual. And then you can actually see this in 1 Corinthians 3.16. Do you not discern and understand that you, the whole church of Corinth, so this is talking to a body of believers, Mm. are God's temple, Mm. his sanctuary, and that God's spirit has his permanent dwelling in you to be home in you collectively as a church and also individually. That's out of the Amplified. Wow. So God's temple is also the gathering of believers together, the local church. And like I said, God's command are are an invitation for an encounter. And so there is an expression of the Holy Spirit that cannot be experienced outside of a corporate gathering. Mm -hmm. Like, yes, we have the Holy Spirit inside of us and we can encounter the Holy Spirit with fellowship with Him, but there is another level when believers come together that we can actually experience a a different level of uh, the Holy Spirit moving in and through us. Yeah. Yeah. Really good. I love that. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking, you know, even God himself is three in one. He's such a God of connection and community that he himself uh, is the Trinity. Uh, And so it just shows that high, high value that God has um, for relationship. And, um, and as believers, we get that in the assembling together in in church. Um, and there's so much brokenness in the church in um, just churches are made up of broken people, of hurting people, of normal people. <laughs> um, and so there's so much that has been um, convoluted and and distorted in the church that I understand that uh, that's where a lot of the thinking comes. Well, you know, I'll just meet with my family or, you know, I'll, I'll just meet with these two other people um, because it's safer or because it's, it's our way of having church. And I'm not going to bash on any of that, but there is something about having that family of believers, that, that community of believers, um, that costs you something that, um, you don't always agree that sometimes you might get hurt because they're, because we're people, not because it's abusive, but because we're people and we're all growing together. And, um, yeah, I mean, I grew up in the church. I have been a church girl my whole life. (laughs) And I've also experienced the, some of the deepest hurts of my life in the church because people are messy and broken and growing myself included. Um, and thank God my heart has never turned away from it because I just have recognized that it is, it's part of the way that he set it up. Um, and it, it's for our good. Like you guys said, it's, it's for our good. It's for our health. It's for our benefit. Um, and I also understand the busyness of life. I don't know how it's happening, but we are having like, it just seems like time just goes so fast. (laughs) Like we just never have enough time to do all the things that we want to do. And, um, 
And so some people will take that day as just a day of just rest. But then where is this place for the church? I think rest is wonderful. I think we need it. But we also need the church. And I don't think we can really exchange one for the other. I'm not saying I know how to, you know, make your week have nine days instead of seven. I'm just saying we it's we're actually commanded to do this, like you said. So um it's worth putting the effort into pushing into that. If this is if this is important to God, if it's if it's important to him because it's healthy for me, then that's reason enough to consider this. And I think we have to really guard ourselves from ego, just doing those things that we want to do that are good for us, period. Because what happens is when we save our lives, try to get what we want, we actually lose it. That there's something so powerful in the exchange of life. There's so something so much power. There's so much power in community. There's so much... Uh, uh, so many benefits when we give as well as we receive because a lot of times people go to church because, well, I'm going to go to church because I need, I need, I need, I need. Mm -hmm. And that isn't always that healthy and that's where they might start out. But there, there should be this maturation process that, yes, I do receive, but I also give. Mm-hmm. And I make investment. And psychologically and neurologically, uh, it science reveals that a person is more emotionally healthy when they are contributing, when they are mm-hmm. giving, when they are investing into something so much greater than themselves. And so what's the Bible say? God knows this. He made us. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he said, seek first. So if I don't have time for church, well, I am seeking the kingdom of God, which is the rule and reign in God. That means if God says it, I will obey it. And Joel already said, this is a commandment, but I'm going to choose which commandment I'm going to follow and which one I'm not. So I'm driven by my will, my way, my plan, what benefits me without thinking about, okay, I am on this planet and I made a choice when I received Jesus. Um, I made a choice to serve my God and to seek first his kingdom. And you guys, if you've listened to us at all, you hear all my crazy stories. But the fact is, the moment I recognized that there was a God, something took place on the inside of me that I can't even explain. It's called salvation, which I totally can't explain how we get a a whole new born-again spirit. I just know it because it's true. But at that moment, I took all the energy, all the effort, everything inside of me that I put in for Melody to climb the corporate ladder and to get what she deserved and to do what she wanted to do, suddenly I was driven to seeking first the kingdom. Mm -hmm. And And I think that's just been so foundational. And church empowers us to do that. A local church, a local family with imperfect people. Us being, I mean, I I was an imperfect pastor. I am an imperfect pastor. And, um, but it's, in the process of doing life and learning to navigate things that empowers us and and really draws us closer to each other and ultimately to the Lord. I realize as you guys were talking, this was a terrible question to start out with. 
I was seeing the retention rate go. (laughs) (laughs) I don't want to listen to this podcast. (laughs) Well, we're going to talk about anxiety and stuff afterwards. So So stay tuned. Stay tuned. (laughs) Fast forward if you need to. (laughs) This question kind of made me laugh because it says most times I'm too busy to attend church. And I was thinking busy is like one of the biggest subjective words there is. Yes, it's true. Yeah. It's like, I'm so busy in the Netflix watch time. It's like <laughs> 28 seasons of this. And uh, I mean, I ask myself this all the time. I'm like, yeah. we all have the same amount of hours in a day. Yeah. How are you so chill? And I am so <laughs> not. So, you know, well, choices. I, I think the point that I'm trying to make is it goes back to this truth. How I spend my time reveals what I value. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Exactly. Yeah. So good. That's exactly. But then you have to realize, like, realize (laughs) what's valuable in the church. Because if you don't see the value in it, you won't prioritize it. And I think that's why a lot of church leaders try to figure out ways and strategies to get people back into church. But if someone doesn't value it, they won't show up. They do value it when they have a need. Well. Exactly. A lot of times, people come back when they need something. Right. You know, and that's just part of the how it works, you know, but I think, you know, a trap that a lot of pastors fall into is that they have turned church into entertainment and activity centers. It's like a youth group, 10 minutes of teaching and an hour and a half of dodgeball, you know, and I understand you want to get them in and just be in that environment. But once those things fade away, are they connected to the dodgeball? Or are they connected to the truth of the yeah. gospel and community and 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 doing life with fellow believers? So, like, a, hey, listen, I'm not saying this to judge or I'm just stating truth, but people will do what they ultimately want to do. Yeah, it's true. And so we can... We can do the be- <clears throat> excuse me. We can do the best that we can to inspire uh, visitation and partnering in community, but it comes back to what they actually want to do, or if it's kind of like, oh, I need something. Better call a pastor or this or that. So maybe maybe this is a. I kind of wonder if this is just a Western thing or maybe American culture because. There's an underground church in China. Exactly. Seeking first the kingdom. And as I've traveled to the nations, and and I will say this because I do believe a lot of things are cultural in the American ego-driven society um, that you don't find to the same degree in different cultures. But I remember as I began to travel to the nations, I'd come home and be so angry at the American church. Yeah. And the Lord spoke to me and said, every culture has its things that are good, but it also has those things that are not good. Mm -hmm. And this happens to be the culture in America. So what are you going to do about it? How are you going to model something different? And so instead of being angry with it, begin to model something different. Mm -hmm. And so I can't change the American culture or the American mindset, but I can model one that's going to seek first the kingdom. I can't make anybody do it. And it it is a sad commentary for our nation when um, we pursue entertainment over investment. And there's nothing wrong with entertainment. 
tonight, Stephen and I are going to watch the Kansas City Chiefs play. (laughs) (laughs) I'm very superstitious about that. I don't like talking about Chiefs things in like spiritual senses. Like I would never, I would never say anything about the Chiefs, like uh, praying for the Chiefs when I'm like, when I'm up preaching, because I was like, that, that's going to make us lose. So. That's funny. So I'm talking about, but do you know what entertainment is? The definition of entertainment is action without thought. And, but when we are serving, when we are investing, when we're in community, guess what? We're thinking, we're being proactive, we're being intentional or should be. Mm -hmm. And so what that does is it builds us from the inside out as we are making investment. So it's very deliberate. It's very intentional to get up in the morning and go to church and to do what you know is right to do. That's very intentional. And the action itself is very building. Mm-hmm. But if I'm just living and there's nothing wrong with amusement, please, I'm not swinging the pendulum where you can't have fun. But if it's if the majority of our life is in amusement, action without thought, then how are we building our internal man? How are we building our neural memory? Mm-hmm. And so it goes back to the first thing I said, what has got our attention has got our direction. Mm-hmm. I, I think also that the church gives us a space to all gather together with a common, um, I don't want to say goal, but yeah. we all, we all are coming together to worship Jesus. That's right. And I think, I think about Jesus and how much of his ministry was around tables with people he, that he, that didn't agree. They didn't agree with each other. And I think the church gives us that table that we can set aside maybe our differences. We can set aside um, our own day to day and we can come together to focus on him. And that I think does more for our spiritual life than we will ever realize when we are collectively putting him first. And it's, it's not about him or it's not about us. It's about him. And I just think it's, I, th- I do, I think it does more than we realize for us. Well, a lot of times that verse is just quoted, don't forsake the assembly of the believers. But that verse tells us why. Yeah. For us to stir each other up in love and mm-hmm. good works and to encourage one another. Why? Because the pressure of this world yeah. is a lot. And yes. that's why we need each other. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I know... Just when worship starts, it's like everything rolls off because your attention is on the Lord. You're in a place where uh, everybody together is joining together to worship God. It's really powerful where one can put a thousand to flight, two can put 10,000. We know the power of agreement. Mm -hmm. We know the power of relationship. And then when, when we gather together in that place of agreement, literally, I believe spiritually it opens the portals of heaven so heaven can be made manifested. Yeah. And I mean, we are post-pandemic now. We all know the reality that a Zoom family reunion is not the same as an in-person reunion. A Zoom wedding is not the same as an in-person wedding. And, you know, I'm sure in 10 years we'll have the science to tell us why, but we've experienced it. And there is something you don't get 
when you're apart that you do get when you're together in the room together. Exactly. I'm a hugger. <laughs> I'm not really a hugger, <laughs> but still the just being to just being present in the same space is is healthy for us. Well, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're home alone. I mean, what are you gonna do? Hug your pillow? I mean, what <laughs> what do you? <laughs> Yeah. It's just hug the computer. I, you know, the, the iPhone, I don't know, but it's just connecting and, and touching and loving and valuing and celebrating. It's, it's such a, it's, it's needful. Our soul needs it. Our spirit needs it. Yeah. All right. Well, that took a lot longer than I thought it would. Did you have any other final thoughts there, Joel? Nope. Nope. Okay. All right. And if you are still here. (laughs) (laughs) Now. Let's have the clap uh, sound. (laughs) Golf clap. You made it. All right. Well, now we're going to talk about anxiety. (laughs) Do you have anxiety about going to church? (laughs) Um. I think we all experience anxiety. We're we are in a culture that is predisposed to it in many ways. So this person's asking, I have tremendous anxiety. Do you have any tips for me on how to get relief? I want to start out by saying anxiety is a massive topic that can go anywhere from a just a discomfort to it has overtaken your neural programming and it's become a, a disorder, a clinical thing. So we cannot speak to the, the totality of anxiety. So we're going to speak in little bits and pieces. And uh, just I just felt like I needed to give that disclaimer. But go ahead. Well, well can I start this one? Yes, please. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give the pastoral answer. And the pastoral answer is each day purposefully connect with the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. In John 7, 37 through 39, on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. By this he meant, don't you love it when scripture says, this is what it meant. (laughs) Very helpful. By this he meant the spirit whom those who believed in him were later to receive. Up to, up to that time, the Spirit had not been given since Jesus had not yet been glorified. So there's this dramatic uh, contrast. First, you have a thirsty person who is in need, lacking, deficient, wanting, wandering. And then second, that same person who has been thirsty through the incoming and dwelling of the Holy Spirit, now becomes a channel for streams of living water. Wow. Talk about our connection to the Holy Spirit. So good. For someone who was lacking in need, broken, now because of the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, then they are a channel. What does it say? Whoever believes in me, as Scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Well, enough said. <laughs> I mean, yeah, as you were just saying, like I had all these like different things written down and in actuality, perfect love casts out all fear. Mm-hmm. And so where we have anxiety, there is this gap between our reality and heaven's reality. There's this gap between uh, truth and a lie. 
Well, let me <laughs> add to that because you might be thinking, well, well, I have the Holy Spirit and I'm not a stream of living water. Well, I, I will say this. When you don't perceive correctly, you devalue. Mm-hmm. Because you devalue, you minimize. And when you minimize, you won't utilize. Wow. Do you have per- correct perception of what you have in the Holy Spirit? Wow. What has actually been given to you? We know that God is three in one. A part of the Godhead lives inside of us. Mm-hmm. So when we recognize that, when we believe it and function from that, then we can actually partake in what we've actually been given. Mm -hmm. But if we don't see what has actually been given to us, we're going to eventually devalue it, minimize Mm -hmm. it, and won't utilize it. Mm -hmm. So my challenge to you is, like, you might be in a place where it seems so big, but if you just focus on what you've been given in Christ, what did Jesus say? He said, Whoever believes in me, as scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And he meant by you receiving the incoming, indwelling spirit of God with inside of you. Wow. Yeah. And I think if you're hearing that and you're thinking, well, I don't have enough faith because I'm still experiencing anxiety or I don't I don't believe hard enough or I'm not doing the right things. Um, I just want to silence those voices because that is not the voice of the Lord. Um, and I can speak as someone who dealt with intense anxiety for a season and um, what you're saying and recognizing who we have in him. For me in that season, I clung so hard to the Holy Spirit. And it was not at all because I had extra faith or was a super spiritual person. No, it was out of desperation because it was like, well, I don't know there's nothing else I can do. I've tried everything else. Nothing is working. And so I have to cling to who you said you are. And so when he says to cast your cares on him because he cares for you, I took that for all it was worth. I took that for my whole life. And so every day when I was plagued with that anxiety of the 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 feelings of what's going to happen, that gnawing that you can't even explain, um, to me, I had to I had to over and over and over and over again, couldn't even count how many times a day, cast that on the Lord and stay so, 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 so near to him because it was it was life or death. It was, um, it was a matter of desperation. And so I think sometimes that lie comes in to say, well, I'm still experiencing it. So either it doesn't work or I'm not doing it correctly. And I and will that, just say those are lies. To that. I will add to that, that that's why we need to connect with people who can connect us to the Holy Spirit. Mm-hmm. So yes, we have the ability to connect, but sometimes we're believing those lies. Yeah. And so finding people that know how to connect with the Holy Spirit, and then they can encourage you and even call out lies yeah. that you may be, be believing. So I think it's twofold. Yes, the Holy Spirit is within us, but sometimes we need help in connecting to that and and believing the truth that of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just listening to a, a video we had done with a therapist friend of ours, and she just says, you have to be able to call a, a thing a thing. And I 
it's so simple. That sounds so basic, but I have recognized the power in that even in myself and talking with other people is often it's like, well, I just have this anxiety. Okay. Well, tell me what that is. Tell me what you're actually thinking. Tell me what the specific thoughts are. Tell me what the specific feelings are. Because once you say that, once you actually call a thing, a thing, it can be changed. It can be dismantled. It can be seen for what it is because anxiety is the wizard of Oz. It's this massive presence behind a curtain that you think is all powerful. But when you move that curtain, when you bring it into the light, you see it for what it is. And really you can dismantle that structure because it's not all powerful because we serve an all powerful God. And so calling a thing, a thing I think is so, so important and so powerful. And that's just saying, uh, okay, I feel anxiety. Okay. The anxiety is, well, I don't know what's going to happen. Okay. Well, what don't you know is going to happen? Well, I don't know. And break it down as far as you can, because it it unveils a facade of all powerful that is really just the enemy, the little tiny puny enemy um, trying to appear big in your life. And, um, and it allows you to see it in better perspective. As you were talking, Katie, I thought anxiety is kind of like that engine light that goes on in the car. Yeah. And it, did you ever have that happen? And you're going, oh my gosh, my car's you know, going to fall apart. This is going to cost me thousands of dollars or whatever. And we're freaking out. And then, you know, they hook it up to their whatever thing and just say, oh, the air in your tires is <laughs> low or something, you know, simple or, but they're able to get to the source. Yeah. They're able, you know, and we think it's the whole engine, the car's going to blow up or whatever it might be. But, but they're able to look at that and say, no, it's this, this little well, thing. And just to add to that, as somebody who had a check engine light turn on and my engine blew out while I was on the side of the mountain, guess what? I made it. Even when the worst thing seems to happen, you make it. Mm-hmm. It's still not as big as you think it's going to be. Yeah. So go ahead. <laughs> well, I, I was just thinking to us, it is big, but to the people that have the total knowledge and all the equipment and all the tools and all those things. They go, no, it's just this Mm -hmm. and we can fix it here. And it, it takes this big, big mountain and it makes it smaller when you go to someone who is not literally in that car that they just bought or they have or whatever. Um, and it kind of happened to me. There was these lights that came on and what it was, the air in my tires was low. And I thought, did I buy a lemon? You know, when the light went on, I've only had this car three months or whatever. And so Stephen came out and he pumped up the, you know, the tires because I called the dealership. They go, oh, no, no, that's your air slow on your tires. And, and so it was like, oh, okay. The anxiety was gone because I saw the source. Mm-hmm. And then there was also... Uh, the wisdom around and the tools around that were able to address that source. And because isn't it true when anxiety comes, it's the Wizard of Oz, right? Mm -hmm. It's this little thing behind the curtain when in actuality to us, it is very, very huge because it's what we're feeling. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's what I love about what Joel talked about. I love the Holy Spirit because our God is all knowledge. Mm -hmm. And if we can just stop and inquire of the Lord, uh, not only does that give us peace, because the bottom line is we face things in life and we have no idea 
you know, what to do or how to navigate it. But if I just trust you, God, Mm -hmm. I know when it's all said and done, and is it you? It's either you or Rebecca, my daughter, who said, God is already in our future. God's already in our future. He already knows. Yeah. And he's already gone before us and worked it out for our good. And he exists outside of time. Mm -hmm. He's the beginning and the end. And we're just in the midst of this moment in time. And when it's all said and done, we're going to look and say, this was so big to me, but I saw the Holy Spirit now yeah. not only bring a solution and not only reveal, but in actuality, sometimes it reveals something so that um, our future is better than our past. Well, and, and anxiety almost always has to do with an unknown future. Yeah. It's almost always future. It's, I don't know what's going to happen. And so it's creating this feeling of anxiety. Well, first we have a promise that we have a future and a hope that is good in Jesus. If you read, um, read the New Testament and you just see how our future is good. Jesus has already won. He's already been before us. And so that just in itself can settle some of that anxiety. And the other thing is the enemy lives to torment you. He just does. He lives to torment you. And if he can keep you uh, in a place of fear, which a a therapist so kindly pointed out to me, is that anxiety is fear. If the enemy can keep you in fear, guess what? He's going to make your present miserable, but it's it's not, you're not going to have hope for the future. And our faith leads us to hope there's always a good future for us in in our faith. And so just recognizing, um, that it is almost always an unknown future and then start to one, you you have to focus on the present. You, you actually don't have the grace for the future yet, but you yeah, do have the grace for right. right now. And, and anxiety always will get you on hyperdrive. Even our, our brain chemistry will be on hyperdrive flooding us with these emotions. Um, but if you can stay pr- okay, present, what is happening right now? I am, I'm going to refuse to tell myself stories about the future. I'm going to refuse to go somewhere I don't have the grace to go right now. And I'm going to rest in the grace that I have for this present moment. I'm going to, okay, right now I'm sitting in a room. Nothing, nothing bad is happening to me. No one is threatening me. And there, there are lots and lots and lots of techniques, even um, in psychology and in therapy to help you to stay present. But it really, really helps us to reject that opportunity um, to go somewhere we don't yet belong. And I know it's easier said than done, but I have done it. (laughs) So I'll tell you that it is possible. Uh, There's hope for you. I also want to add that the greater the fear, the more you need to be intentional about remaining in the presence of God. Mm -hmm. Because when you are in the presence of God, that recalibrates you. Have you ever been worrying about something? You get in the presence of God and then it all makes sense. Mm -hmm. Um, So when you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, you need to be super intentional about getting to that place of feeling connected to the Holy Spirit. I Actually, this past week I taught on peace and... Jesus was in the boat. They were experiencing all this turmoil. turmoil. Jesus was there and he was present, but Mm -hmm. they weren't connected to his presence. Mm -hmm. And so just because the Holy Spirit lives on 
the inside of you, that doesn't mean that you're always connecting to his presence Mm -hmm. or how heaven sees things. Mm -hmm. So if you're dealing with a lot of anxiety, you're, you're dealing with fear, the more you have to be intentional of staying in that place until there is true healing Mm -hmm. and true deliverance from those things. Yeah. I mean, like I said, I just, I clung to Jesus. So to me, that looked like just over and over in my mind all day long, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I need you. It wasn't like um, a technique. It wasn't, it wasn't like a, a thing I reached for once a day to take my dose. No, it was all the time. And it's not like you don't need Jesus less now. Yeah. Right. It's just something that you had to do mm-hmm. uh, to remain sane or yeah. to, yeah. Yeah. to, to confront that fear. Yeah. Yeah, quite literally. And just reckon his presence is permanent and it is always. Um, but we don't always see it. Just like you said, they're in the boat, they're seeing all the circumstances, but not recognizing that he was present. His his presence of peace was right there. Um, and so it's just constantly reminding yourself, you are with me, you are with me, you are with me, you are with me, you are with me. Um, like like we know, or we, we bring up a bunch, but like he will never leave us nor forsake us mm-hmm. just because you're in proximity with someone doesn't mm-hmm. mean that you have connection to that person. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, he will never leave us nor forsake us, but we have to be intentional about staying connected to his view of the situation, staying connected to his voice and where he's leading and where he's guiding. And like you said, there was a moment of time, like every single moment of the day, you had to put your focus on that. And as you got freedom, it doesn't mean that you need him less. It just means because you were in that state of intense anxiety, Mm -hmm. you had to lean in more than ever before. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating. It would be all day long. I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. (laughs) I mean, it was desperate. But what happened was that reality sank in so deep that now if anxiety tries to come, I go, oh, I need Jesus. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's become a part of my my habit, my routine. It's become that trigger that when that goes off, oh, I know the antidote to this because I've, I've lived through it. Um, and so there's lots and lots of things I could say, tools and helps and, um, you know, your, your body, soul, and spirit. So there's body work to be done. There's soul work to be done. But ultimately, he is the presence of peace. I love what the psalmist says, when my heart is overwhelmed, mm-hmm. lead me to the rock that is higher than I, because fear makes itself look like the biggest thing in the room. So when I'm overwhelmed by that, I need to remember that he is the biggest thing in the room. He's the loudest voice that I want to hear in that moment. So, um, yes, there's lots of things we could say, um, spirit or uh, soul and body. Um, and if you want to know those things, send me an email. (laughs) (laughs) Or we have other podcasts coming up that we'll probably talk about it. Yeah. Or send in some more specific questions. Yeah. Yeah. But ultimately again and again and again, go to the Holy Spirit. (laughs) All right. And I think I'll just close on that one in the fact that, uh, we must recognize we're all a work in progress and there are layers. Yep. And, uh, but every step forward is a step in the right direction. Yes. Like every time you said, you know, Jesus, I need you, Jesus, I need you. Mm-hmm. And every time you said it, 
it was taking a step forward. Yep. And it might have felt like there was 50 million steps that you had to take before mm -hmm. you felt some breakthrough. But the fact was, every time you made a choice to look to Jesus yeah. in the midst of the intense emotion, it was a step forward. And how many times I've heard people in the thick of it say, it just doesn't feel like it's working. Oh, mm -hmm. I just, I want to grab them and hug them because it, Every step, like you just said, every step is future. Every step is hope. Every step is uh, freedom and victory. And so um, it is working. It is working. Just keep doing it. Um, he's leading your life in a good direction. Amen. Well, I'm a little bit stressed out about this next question. Oh, boy. <laughs> you want to you say <laughs> Dad joke. A dad joke. You're going to get that in a moment. <laughs> so what's the next question? The next question. Uh, I feel like I live in a constant state of stress. But don't... Oh, boy. There you go. Roll your eyes here. Um, and then it goes, is it my own fault or are we all stressed out all the time? <laughs> Well, I can't um, relate to this question oh. because I've never been stressed before. Oh. <laughs> I the can truth stress is, you out. Stress is normal <laughs> and it happens to everyone. <laughs> but where stress becomes a problem is when it's prolonged and without relief. Yeah. Yep. And so it seems like this person has found that found themselves in this position because they said, I feel like I always live in this state of stress. Mm -hmm. And I actually went to Google and said, uh, what is stress? Or I forget what I typed in, but one of the things came up, but it's like, how is stress diagnosed? And this is what they said. Stress is subjective. Mm -hmm. Only the person experience it can determine whether it's present and how severe and how, and how yeah. severe it is. Wow. In other words, you tell me, are you in a constant wow. state of stress? Yeah, it's good. Well, that, I mean, I have other things that I can add, but I just thought, let's define it. Yeah. It is subjective. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of like busy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I was coming from a different angle, as we often do. Well, um, we were pretty heavy in that last yeah, one. Yeah. So I, I thought, you know, Lighten us up like our bit. retention just <laughs> went down again. <laughs> But we do all have stress and actually there are stress hormones in our body and, you know, cortisol. Um, and I learned this actually when I was going through the season of intense anxiety, I saw a doctor to have my hormones checked because I was like, I need to know what, if there's a body reason for this. And I learned that, um, well, I mean, I knew we all have a level of cortisol in our body, but there's, your cortisol can get too high. Um, and so I started taking a supplement to help me regulate my cortisol. But I also learned like in first thing in the morning, your cortisol level is highest because you actually need stress to get your body kickstarted. You just went from a dead sleep to now you've got to get up and function and live life. And that's what I was saying in the beginning. It's like stress is normal and it's actually a part of our human function. Yeah. But when it's prolonged and there's no relief, that's where it can have adverse effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, an aspect of stress is something called eustress. And it's what, you know, a football player or a basketball player, they're in there, they're in this intense stress, but it literally releases the adrenaline and the mm -hmm. things that they need to get that touchdown or to get that basket or score or whatever it is that they do mm -hmm. in the sports. <laughs> but the fact is that stress is actually a positive thing. And so sometimes... Uh, 
and I'm not saying this is positive, but have you ever been in a place where there was so much on your plate, you got three times done, more done than you yeah. would normally do if you didn't have that pressure, that stress yeah. to produce, and you realize, man, I work better under stress. <sighs> well, what it is, is you're challenging yourself to push through, you're not just in that lazadaisical going with the flow moment where you're uh, chilling, you know, and there's really little motivation. Mm -hmm. But stress in a simple form and in the good form of stress is a thing that pushes us to accomplish and advance and, mm -hmm. and complete. But when when we have triggers that are negative or fear-based or um, sometimes I think, you know, we're in a place where we're trying to do something we're not gifted to do. Mm -hmm. That will produce stress because I'm doing something that I don't have the ability mm -hmm. to do. Yeah. You know, you tell me to operate on someone, I would feel a lot <laughs> oh, of stress, gosh, you know. So would I. Uh, because <laughs> it's, it's, so would you if yeah. I was, yeah. And, but when we try to do something that, we don't have the ability to do. Mm -hmm. Or, okay, Melody, I want you to teach on this. I don't know. I'm, I mm -hmm. know very little about that. Yeah. I would feel stressed because you feel powerless. You feel inadequate. You feel, you know, degrees of, I don't have that competency. And it's not shame. It's just I recognize I don't have the ability to do that. And in the marketplace arena, somebody might call me and say, Melody, we'd like you to do that. And I go, no, you wouldn't <laughs> because I'd be terrible at that. Let me give you somebody else's name who's good at that. And so if we look at that, it would cause me stress to be put in that situation. Yeah. And when I recognize it, then I can be very honest and say, I'm not good at that. I don't have that gift. You don't want me to do that. Mm -hmm. And so immediately when that pressure is off, I'd, I have no stress because I'm not having to do something I'm not good at then. But I have to be very honest with myself or even just even saying, why, why was that stress there? Mm -hmm. I recognize it's putting pressure on me for something that I can't do. You know, maybe as a parent, you feel a lot of stress because you're trying to do everything right, but your kids are like freaking out. And you're going, I'm a terrible mother. I'm not good at this. And and you get all stressed because you're trying to fix their immaturity when they're only two years old. It's going to take them a while to mature. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that can cause us stress. And when we feel inadequate, that really reinforces it. And so if we can get to the source of that sense of inadequacy, then we might realize that that's just not something I have the power to do. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a little bit of a break. Yeah. Well, do you want to get into practical things that we can do? I have a few. Go ahead. Uh, the first practical tip to relieve or prevent stress is accept you can't control everything. Mm -hmm. You will be very stressed out if you think you have to control everything or you think that you have the power to yeah. control everything. So just accepting the fact that I don't have the power to actually bring change to this, that will be a stress reliever. You mean I can't make a difference in this one? <laughs> I, I would say a lot of things we can't make the, the biggest the biggest thing we have power to change is ourselves. Yeah, uh, that's right. So another tip is recognize you have the power to change. Mm -hmm. Not the not always the situation, but you have the power to change. Mm -hmm. Another one is practice gratitude and practice Philippians 4:8. Finally, brothers and sisters, so this is including everyone, mm -hmm. whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, 
if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think on such things. Mm-hmm. That is something that we should put into practice. Another thing is know your capacity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like if you are trying to do things that you don't have the capacity for, it's only going to be stressful and there won't be an out for it because you don't have the capacity for it. Mm-hmm. Another thing is stay connected with people who keep you calm and <laughs> are encouragers. Yeah. Like, and this might exclude some family members. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Maybe your family is the, that's the reason you're stressed. So, I mean, you're going to have to work through that, um, but yeah, find people that encourage you, find people that keep you calm, find people that you could talk through things. I will say, like I said before, stress is normal. So we need to find stress relievers that are actually healthy. Yes. If the stress reliever is a gallon of ice cream, <laughs> eventually that's going to catch up to you. Yeah. If the stress reliever is, I mean, I could go through a bunch of things. But you need to find stress relievers that actually are beneficial. And some well, of them are exercise yeah, and stuff like that. There's yeah. some practical things like going for a walk or sitting down and reading a good book, different things like that that you can pull yourself away. A thriller? Away. A thriller. I don't think you'd want to do it. <laughs> a horror book, no less. I relax by watching murder dramas. Some <laughs> people do, and I, I, know. I don't get it. Oh, no. No. I mean, you'll love this. This is a callback that I can't believe I'm bringing back up, but I'm really into breathing. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. Me too. How about you, mom? Are you into breathing? Yeah, I don't consciously think about it that much, but... Well, that's that's the part. If well, let's can. do exercise. <laughs> Pardon? You said, unless you consciously think about it, I said, well, let's do an exercise. Oh, uh, extra, that, never mind. <laughs> All my jokes don't land. Or if I have to explain them, I realize they need a little bit more tweaking. Keep working. Okay. Well, you're talking to your mother here. That is true. <laughs> Katie's laughing, so I guess she got it. <laughs> is dad funny? Because I, I'm not sure if... Actually, he is much funnier than me. Well, well. that's not... <laughs> Thank you, Captain Obvious. <laughs> well, when he preaches, you're laughing at him. You know, I mean, he's a, yeah. No one's laughing as hard as you are, though, usually. Yeah, he is funny. Um, yeah. But anyway, <laughs> yesterday I was in a stressful situation and I stopped and said, okay, we're doing our breathing exercises <laughs> right now because they help to calm my body down. And so, Look it up. It's real easy. Just yeah, type actually, on Google. It's true. Just type up breathing exercises. It'll give you real easy ones. Four, seven, eight. Um, but then another four, thing. Four, seven, eight. What's that? Yeah. In for four, hold for seven, out for eight. There you go. I just helped you. I was teasing my mother-in-law the other day, and she is she's a super spiritual person. <laughs> and I said, I'm going to have to tell you this, but your daughter said that that yoga is just stretching. <laughs> she was like, <gasps> <laughs> some people, if you did not grow up in charismania, that might not make any sense to you. But <laughs> some people are like, no, it's an open door for the demonic. And some people are like, what are you talking yeah. about? But uh, yeah, doing the, the you practical could have body just work. touched a sacred cow right yeah, there, yeah, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't say I agreed or disagreed. I just had a tattletale on her. Don't call it yoga, just stretch. There you go. <laughs> Do what's good for your body. 
But and there's another one, meditation. <laughs> one, on the one, word. That yeah. one people can take <laughs> Think really on those wrong. Things don't that are good and don't empty yourself, fill yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, but another thing I did yesterday is like, oh, I need to put on a worship song. And I yeah. put it on and I played the same song seven times in a row. And guess what? I was calm by the end of it. <laughs> was and, it I got the joy, joy, no, joy, joy down in my heart? No. It was it was a David Leonard song. I don't remember what it was called, but uh, one thing I do is, uh, you, I don't write it. Usually you can write it, journal, whatever you want to do. But I like going on my computer and then just sitting and communicating, talking myself through, uh, just writing it yeah. out because that causes me, instead of just thinking, I'm actually being uh, very proactive in getting that stuff out. I talk about it to myself. Well, it's what know? the psalmist did. Yeah, he, exactly. He got it out. Yeah. Yeah, and when you get it out, it's not in anymore. Well, and, and when it comes into the light, it can be changed, right? So, and then what I do is I just delete the document when I'm done. Yeah, because it's done. Yeah, but but I've done that, you know, many times to help me just. Technically, if you delete something on your computer, it's not deleted. Even if you didn't save it. Oh, there's ways. Well, I've oh, also learned. You ever hear to like write the email you never send? Don't ever actually put the person's email address <laughs> in the box. It's too dangerous. I was sending some sensitive things uh, a few weeks back, and I was like, am I sending this to the right person? <laughs> Melody? Katie, yeah. making sure, does it? There's Aaron, no does CC, this there's no BCC. <laughs> yeah, I just... just uh, no, if you're going to write that email, just don't put anybody's email <laughs> oh, it's in a there. Word document <laughs> yeah. and I don't yeah. save it. Yeah. I also think, I think culturally we are predisposed to stress in the present year that we are living in. I think there's just too much. There's too much. I like, I hate buying toothpaste. There's 7,000 toothpastes. <laughs> we don't need that many toothpastes. I'm like, just, just give me, just give me what, I, just give me one that works. Um, so it's just, there's too, there's too much. There's too many options. There's too much in front of us. It's information overload. It's just, there's too much. And so for me, I am just really leaning into, and I've said it before, I'm really bad at it. I'm really working on this, but simple and slow. It just goes back to like, I need to cut off too much and kind of get into what am I using right now? What do I need right now? And, you know, kind of put some blinders up for the rest. I go in, I grab my crest whitening and I get out. <laughs> like I don't need all the options. And so that comes with social media. There's, it's too much. It is too much for our capacity. The internet exposes us wonderfully. I love it so much to so much information, but it's too much for us. Um, and so simple and slow, I'm just trying to come back. Um, and you know, I, I will tell, so I have a couple of friends that I'm like, I'm paper bagging it. And that means I'm on the verge of hyperventilation. Like I am stressed out. Um, and that's where I, I'm like, okay, I've acknowledged it. Now I got to do something to change what I'm experiencing. So if that means turning off all notifications, if that means taking a half an hour in prayer, if it means going for a walk, um, you know, writing it out, whatever it is, I have to do something to change it. Otherwise it's, I'm going to burn out. When you said uh, about like this time in history is the most stressful time. It kind of well, cracked me out. Well, I didn't say out. that. Well, <laughs> it was sort of like, it was like, you know, 
the flood was probably pretty stressful <laughs> for some people. That's why I didn't. I never say that because well, it's like every generation. This is the best of times and the worst of times. But I'm thinking, no, nah, there are some other times throughout history that were pretty bad. Yeah, a hundred percent. We just. It's just unique to us right You're now. Like, social media is just so much. And we're like, uh, there was a flood and <laughs> there was only one family that made it out alive. Can you imagine if there was social media during that? <laughs> no. <laughs> well, uh, my mom, her, uh, she was a, a young bride and her husband went off into World War II over to the Battle of the Bulge and she knew he was there. But if you write a letter... It takes a couple months yeah, to get yeah. there. If he writes a letter, it takes even longer to get back. So it wasn't every day, all day long in her face. Yeah. And um, and she said how um, that uh, when her grandchildren then went into the military to where she could Skype them or talk to them. There was more anxiety because she saw the news, the social media was there. She'd see the videos of what was happening in whatever nation mm -hmm. or whatever. And um, so it was in front of her. Um, going back to something I said a couple times, what has got our attention has got our direction. Mm -hmm. And so even, and her husband was killed at the Battle of the Bodge. Mm -hmm. So it did not end well yeah. uh, for him. But she said she didn't live in the constant anxiety mm -hmm. because it wasn't always in her face. Yeah. And so when now she's like 85 years old or 90, whatever it was, when she was had her grandkids in the service, she felt more anxiety mm -hmm. because she'd see the news. Yeah. Which speaks to what I was saying. It well, speaks to exactly what you're saying. Sometimes I go to news sites and then the titles or the the headlines are like, did I need to know this? <laughs> like, this is horrible. This is disturbing. I did not I did not want to know that this happened. And and I think some people are like, well, you need to know. No, you don't need to know. Yeah, you don't I mean, need to know everything. No. You know, if you have a propensity for stress and anxiety, I would stay off of certain yeah. things. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Yeah. yeah, you got to know your capacity. If you can handle that and stay in peace, good for you. I cannot. <laughs> I, in order to protect my peace, I need to stay away from. I don't learn those my things. lessons. I'm like I'm off of it, and then I get back. <laughs> it must release something. You guys are scientists. I know it must release something in my brain that. Uh, <laughs> we could go into a whole other uh, <laughs> therapy session there, but. <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody likes being stressed. I do. I really like what you said about it being subjective. I, I, I didn't say that the, well, the, the Cleveland <laughs> Clinic did, <laughs> <laughs> but that is so very, very true. Because what you believe about something yeah. is is what how you establish neural memory. So to you, it's reality. It's memory to you. Now they do have markers like blood pressure. They sure. have things that they go through, but it is really a subjective thing. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I mean, I realized in times in life where, I mean, like right now, like I'm, a, I'm stressed this week. I got a lot to do, but then I've also realized like last year when you were dying of COVID, <laughs> I was stressed in a whole different way. Yeah. The things that really, really mattered one day, ma didn't matter at all the next day. And it just kind of opened my eyes. Like, like a lot of times we put ourselves in places that, that are their choices based on levels of value and perspective and perception that we've given them. Um, but yeah, no, 
ultimately when we realize what matters, you know, when you're in the middle of a tragedy or, or a life or death situation, uh, things have a way of really leveling out or coming into order. So yeah, it is subjective, I guess. <laughs> so, all right. Definitely. I guess the doctor well, the, said the, it. I mean, <laughs> if the doctor said it, well, I get that. I'm just saying like, they might have a little bit more research in yes. it than, uh, Okay, it is subjective. Okay. All right. Full stop. <laughs> I, I, I think I'm closing out a lot of our discussions, but uh, one thing I do want to close on is asking yourself the question, have I given my best? Mm-hmm. And if I've given my best, that's all I can give, so I'm going to rest because mm-hmm. I've just done the very best yeah. that I can do. You have to be really honest about that because a lot of times I'll be like, well, no, it's not my best. I'm not dead yet. I can do more. (laughs) But just stay in peace. Well, maybe after last year's episode, I just got, I'm giving, I've given my best. Yeah. Actually, it really did shift a lot of things. And I think Joel has said this a lot, you know, keeping the main thing, the main thing. Mm -hmm. And I think that would get rid of a lot of stress too. Mm -hmm. If we just keep the main thing, the main thing. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. All right. Well, I think we're wrapping it up today. Uh, as always, if you have any questions you'd like to send in, send them to lifeexchangepodcast at gmail.com and we'd love to hear from you. And if you have any words of validation, we would appreciate them. <laughs> oh, yeah. Leave those by way of five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts. <laughs> very, very helpful. Actually, Should I give them my email so that if you have wonderful glowing things, then you send can reach directly me directly to... <laughs> If you have negative reviews, you can send it to Katie at Giving Life. <laughs> Just remember, I'm the one with the microphone. <laughs> All right, we'll leave you on a threat. And <laughs> All right, well, we'll, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to Life Exchange. We'll be back next week with more conversation on topics of life and leadership. Until next time, be sure to check out our website at givinglight.org, where you can learn more about our church and access loads of resources to help you grow in your walk with God and people. If you like what you heard today, we'd be grateful if you leave a five-star review and share with your friends. Be blessed. Remember to shine your light and have a great week. Thank you.